So we have two things that are going to affect the quality of these podcasts, which we're recording like, what, two or three of those today, something like that. Um, so there's yeah. two things that are going to affect the quality of what we're doing. First, uh, I just got back from Georgia. I had to go down there for work. And as soon as I got off the plane in Atlanta, uh, my sinuses and eyes just instantly became faucets. Uh, apparently the Georgia pine trees do not agree with me at all. So that's why I sound like I do. And that's why that's, that's why this will be an interesting couple of hours. All right. No worries. I'm, I'm tired, but, uh, and then the other thing is I am currently eating a Italian sandwich. So Lily, the cross-eyed wonder dog is down here in the basement with me and she's losing her mind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, so we might have some barking. So we might eventually have some barking as well, in addition to me sounding even more nasally than I usually do. So it's going to be a good time. All right. I'm burned out. So <laughs> good. we'll see how that goes too. Good. But <laughs> it's going to be good. Actually, the so this podcast really helped me on that work trip. Oh, how's that? Uh, I had to give a presentation in front of a room full of doctors. Uh, so going in, I was just I was used to being the least educated person in the room. What were you telling the doctors? I was telling them about marketing. It, it helped. It helped being used to being the least educated person in the room by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, on, on some things, on other things, I'm useless. But on uh, on 17th century political thought. Yes. <laughs> but not many people care about that, aside from my students who are motivated to care about that because of their grade. <laughs> so anyway, uh, other things I'm quite useless on. So uh, Most things. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rocks Across the Pond. It is a curling podcast. My name is Ryan McGee coming to you from Richmond, Virginia and joining me from Southampton, England. Welcome back. Our very own Professor of Peel, Dr. Jonathan Havercroft. Jonathan, I haven't talked to you in like a month. More than a month. More than a month, because a month ago I was in Canada, so I've been, <laughs> I've been on the road a lot. Uh, yeah, so this was my first week back, and it was a hard week back. Uh, very tired. Pretty had a had an amazing time, but uh, way behind on work, way behind on stuff at the home front. So and uh, really, really tired. So got to get caught up on a bunch of non curling things. Unfortunately, right now we have a lot to talk about. Because we we have not talked in over a month. I've missed you. Oh, thanks. I thought I thought I was fired after the last podcast. <laughs> no, it was good. It was I good. Felix did a pretty good job. He did. Yeah, he did he did awesome, man? Yeah, you taught him well. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a future in uh, media of some sort. And it was awesome talking to Rob. Rob is really good. I would love to have him back on on the show. I'm sure. Yeah, he was he was very enthusiastic. Um, 
uh, he was tipped off by our podcast, not from me, but uh, as soon as he heard it, then he, he said he wanted to be on the podcast. So what did I? All right. So uh, what did I do? He actually sounded. He, he was very cordial with me, and he was awesome on the show. What was he mad at? Oh, he wasn't what angry. He, he just said he was thinking <laughs> Him and his wife Ashley just—they found the podcast. I think I think it sounds weird if people are talking about you on a podcast, and you know, it's, he's not Rachel Holman level, right? So if you're like professional on TV, people talking you about you on a podcast is, um, you know, you're just used to it. Uh, maybe you don't like it, but you kind of accept that it goes with the job. But for someone who's not um, on TV and in the slams every weekend, uh, it's probably a little bit. Uh, weird. Well, he messed up. He joined your team. That's true. So anyone who plays with me, you're going to get talked about <laughs> on this podcast. That's. Uh, I should probably have people sign waivers of some sort. Yeah, you you need to let them know that you're going to be talked about on a podcast if you if you play with with you. Is that a perk or a a drawback? Oh, it's a drawback. <laughs> <laughs> Although, so I guess. So I guess that come was, on the podcast and and rip me is. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, so that, that seemed to happen a Felix, lot while I was gone. Felix did a great job of just tearing into you. I couldn't really get Rob to 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 talk as honestly about you as as I would have liked. I tried, but he was he uh he took the high road. Yeah, he took the high road. He's a bit older, perhaps a bit wiser. <laughs> so how was that trip? We'll start there. <clears throat> how was your how was how was your time in the wilderness in Ontario with just just a bunch of dudes in a in a in a cabin in the woods? How was that? Uh it was good. I mean Greg's family owns a really nice uh I'd say it's more of a lake house than a cabin. It's not that rustic. It's pretty done up, but the fat's been the family for a couple of generations. Um on a lake near Perth, Ontario. So beautiful spot. Uh, you get up in the morning and you see the loons on the lake and uh, clear stars up on top. And we just hung out there a bit, played some board games, drank some. We tried uh, Ontario wine, which was interesting. We had some ice wine, which was really good. I bought a bottle of Wayne Gretzky wine because why not? It was, it was decent, I'd say. So, yeah. So you told me that this was so. This was your first Canadian cash spiel since when? Uh, cat. Well, all right. I uh, probably you said first time. I think it's the first time I played in a WCT event in Canada. Oh yeah, WCT since '98, probably. So like a good twenty years. <laughs> I mean, I I did play WCT stuff when I was in St. Paul, like not much, but I play like one or two kind of US, like the Curl Masabi or Duluth or St. Paul, like okay. one of the local Minnesota or Wisconsin spiels uh, a year with like a team that was going into club playdowns or something like that. Um, it was your first time playing in a Canadian WCT yeah. event since 1998. Yeah, and back and back then, like this is how old I am. <laughs> back then, the WCT was. Uh, I would say it was more aspirational back then than it is now. Like it was just, it was kind of, back then it was kind of seen as this like Arnie Asham, Ed Lukowicz sales pitch. Like, like I think they just managed to get the players championship on TV mid to late nineties. And 
the controversy back then was some cash spiels around the Montreal area were going WCT and jacking up the entry fees and some other kind of more traditional ones didn't want to do that and they didn't want to pay any fees to WCT. So this was kind of early days of WCT. And uh, I remember actually being a little bit controversial back then that some people thought that wasn't in the true spirit of curling. So, uh, but we play, we play a couple, we play like St. Lambert, we play, we go into Ottawa and play one, one or two a year. So, so what, what are the biggest differences between late nineties WCT events and the ones in now we are in the year of our Lord, 2019, which by the way, the, the span between your two WCT events, that span, uh, was old enough to drink. That's true. Um, the, the big, all right. The biggest difference. Okay. I'll tell you the biggest difference. Uh, I remember, I remember playing in one in St. Lambert, uh, late nineties. And there was a team from the Czech Czech Republic, I think it was still, I think they'd separated already by 98 or 97 when we did this. And uh, a team from the US and both the international teams just got smoked like three and out and not like didn't even go the distance. Uh, this time, the international teams were really good. Um, so like Ross White was there. There's some, a couple of Japanese teams. Morozumi was kind of on a sheet next to us. Uh, and one of them, I think it was Yamaguchi and the other. I uh, can't remember, um, uh, but like you know, like good quality, good quality Japanese teams. Um, There's still like the Canadian teams, especially in the Ontario Spiels, were still kind of uh, you know good competitive teams, but they you know they might have a drink after a game. The international teams were all there to do business. Most of them were paid full time to curl, whereas for a lot of the like the top tier slam teams from Canada weren't playing in these events, but. Uh, Still, some some pretty good teams next tier down, I'd say, but they were still a bit more social. Uh, the international ones were all there with a coach. They were doing you know laps around the rink. Um, they were not drinking much or if at all. So, um, the flip from international teams not being good to international teams being some of the strong in the field is a big difference. Um, the intensity and professionalism of it's a big difference. Um, the quality of ice is a lot better, I'd say. Uh, you know, obviously there's five rock free guard zone now. There was only three back then. So sweeping's all different. <laughs> a lot of things are different. So there was a little bit of social aspect and some camaraderie there. I mean, this was a this was a tier two event, I guess, but there was a little bit of teams getting together after the game. Because I've noticed I've heard other people say that one of the things that they've noticed with uh the W's the big time WCT events is that does not exist anymore. Whereas it might have 10 years ago. Uh, everyone. So, I mean, it depends what you mean by camaraderie. Like I think people would have a beer after the game or maybe two, if they were not gunning for it, but it, it, it wasn't, you know, uh, there wasn't a big party on Saturday night. Like a lot, like a lot of the old spiels back in the nineties, um, there's normally basically a de facto losers party on Saturday night. (laughs) And there wasn't that at either of these bond spills. I mean, if you were out, you were, you just packed up and left. Um, And those parties to be kind of pretty big and going, I'd say depending on the team, I think, especially in Ontario, uh, a bit like Scotland, the norm of having a drink with your opponent after the game is, is still pretty firmly entrenched. Um, So that you still have that, but it wouldn't be people getting plastered. It'd be like one drink, maybe two if you didn't have a, another game that day. Well, that's good. Um, 
which is definitely less oh, wow. than it was, but still people chit chit chatting and sitting down kind of thing. I mean, I think that I think that's you know a happy medium. I don't think you need to get plastered. No, uh, not at not at a not yeah, at an event so. that you're paying that much money to be a part of. It's different. It's different if you're paying a yeah. hundred bucks for the Kansas City bond spiel um, and then attempt to eat and drink your money back uh, than putting up you know a decent amount of of money to get into one of these bigger spiels that actually has points tied to it. Yeah. And I think it, it depends. The different teams are trying to do different things. There. That was the other thing that was kind of interesting and obvious. So um, some of the top competitive teams, like Ross White, who we played, he was in both the spiels. They're clearly trying to bank enough points to try to get the slams. If not this year, then by next year. And I think there's a pretty good chance they will. They're a pretty strong team out of Scotland. And uh, I think the same for the Japanese teams. Uh, we played against Mike Fournier's team, and they were pretty oh, wow. explicit that their goal was to try to get enough points to qualify for the pre-trials. They felt that the direct entry to trials was un- unlikely, but trying to grab one of those pre-trial spots was was kind of their goal. So, And they were going pretty hard on the circuit this year. Uh, Did he remember you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Nice. Yeah, no, I mean, we're kind of connected through Facebook, so yeah, it's not, okay. you know, yeah. Well, you haven't been on, you spent like four years off of Facebook. <laughs> That's true, too. So, but I, I think, you know, people remember me. <laughs> you're, a, you're a memorable person, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, I guess so. I mean, it's like, the curling world is really small, so, uh, in a lot of weird ways. Like with Rob, like Rob and I, we we. we we just met when I showed up at his door to get a ride to Kitchener Waterloo uh, the day of our first game. And in the ride from there to the airport to pick up the other guys, uh, we kind of made three connections, like basically one degree of separation connections through curling. So it was, you know, the curling world is that small. And then uh, you guys, uh, you did okay. Did you guys, yeah, yeah, did you guys like, you said your goals were kind of just to get used to playing with each other. Do you uh, think, did you think you guys, well, I was like that? afraid we'd over. <laughs> I, like, I mean, our first game, you have to keep in mind, our first game, I got, I flew in the day before, but Greg and James flew in that afternoon. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about Greg in a sec, but, um, so they were basically had been up for 20 or 22 hours by the time the game started. Right. They totally jet lagged out of it. So I, I was just like, that first game is going to be a write off. Plus they hadn't curled. I've neither been on the ice at all since like April. So it was kind of going in cold with the new team, totally jet lagged. Um, we actually managed to win the first two. So I, I was pretty stoked about that. Um, and so that kind of put us pretty far along in the bracket. I think, who do we, then we played Ross white and that was, they made quick work of us. Then Mark Keen made very quick work of us. <laughs> then our final game was against a, a good team that qualified. And they, they, that was kind of like down to last shot. We forced their skip to make a double on this last, um, I think they were kind of one up with hammer. So in a control situation, but at least, you know, made a game of it. So, uh, and then, you know, uh, RCMP was, it's you know we were the first team to not make the cut is kind of the easiest way to put it. Like we were in a tie break situation and we fell short by uh, three quarters of a centimeter. So not you know not uh, not too bad. And then I saw well I heard because uh, you don't see podcasts uh, I heard that uh, you attempted to record with 
the guys from uh from game of stones and they said that the audio was unusable were you guys recording in like a silo or where on earth <laughs> what on earth happened to make that audio unusable i think i actually think they i'm not quite i went back and listened to the podcast because i don't think they were recording when i was there i mean if they had that would have been great because we were having a great conversation um I, my understanding is they recorded a podcast while I was playing. So they came to watch my game, then sat at a table at the bar uh, and were recording a little episode there. Like I think they just wanted to do like a 30-minute mini episode. So they were doing that while I was sitting down with the other team. And then after that, we came over and had a drink and just chatted curling, and podcasting, and uh, comparing notes and uh, talked a little bit about ways we might collaborate. So uh, yeah, it was, a, it was great to meet them. And uh a good conversation so it's it's actually too bad it wasn't recorded because that could have been a good a good episode actually and then you got to go to worlds you finally all right so you finally got to participate in a wct world was it everything CF. wcf yeah. i'm yeah. sorry <laughs> uh, i've been drinking i've been drinking um how what did it live up to uh, what you wanted it to be? Yeah, no, it was amazing. Um, yeah, it was like I think I, I think all the pictures of me have a that were like the official WCF photos on the feed, or me with a big stupid grin on my face, and I was like that the whole week. <laughs> uh, yeah, from from start to finish. I mean, it's the, the just playing like that quality of ice. Um, it, everything there is done to the same standards as the Olympics. It, it was run on a really tight ship. And I think it was a good combination of, I mean, every event I've been to that's been run by the WCF, it's always been on point. Occasionally there's kind of minor issues, but this time none. Uh, the host committee, Aberdeen, is also, like, to my mind, Aberdeen's the best curling rink uh, on this island. Anyway, on this island, one of my favorite I've ever played at. It's a modern facility. It's really well run. Great ice, great stones, great, great uh, organizers. So that combination led to a really good, good event. Uh, like, like no complaints about anything at all. You've been, I mean, you've been there as a coach. Obviously, was there anything that surprised you um, getting to to play in the WCF event? Uh. Not really. I mean, I so actually having coached like helped a lot because I I basically know the drill down to a T. Like I know where the warm up room is. I know how long you got to get to the rink beforehand. Um, I know you got to figure out a way to kill time if you have second practice or first practice. Like, what do you do while the other team's practicing? Um, you know, I, I think actually coaching helped a lot in terms of my ease of mind going into playing in this because just everything that happens beside behind the scenes was not a mystery to me entering this event. So uh, yeah, that actually helped a lot. I'd say. What's something behind the scenes that would kind of surprise people? Uh, I think it's the amount of time of stuff you need to do before the game starts. Uh, and that's everything from, having to set your DSC into the computer system to um, needing to be on the ice a minute or two before your practice time to needing to kind of clear out time to warm. You have to warm up in a separate area. So there's a warm up room. So if you're going to do any warm up stuff, you got to do that separately. So our rule of thumb was 45 minutes before first practice and first practice is 30 minutes before game time. So you basically had to be at the rink an hour and 15 minutes before, which for our team, I think worked really well. Some of the pro teams were there like an hour before. Uh, I'm not sure if that, that much was needed, but that's what they do. Uh, 
some of the not so pro teams, or some of the teams from the emerging countries, let's say, they'd kind of show up a bit more last minute. But uh, just given how many little things you have to do before the game starts, uh, it's actually good to bank that time in, I'd say. Was it like the NBA where you you get to the facility like two hours beforehand and you're walking down a ramp, you know, in your suit, listening to rap music, uh, getting in, getting into the facility early? Was it along those lines? Uh, some teams do. Some teams show up full kit. <laughs> like some some countries, uh, they have like Canada, for instance. <laughs> they have a budget, so the Canadians they get nice outdoor kind of puffer Team Canada jackets. They all get individual rolling bags with all their curling equipment. They all had nice red uh, Beats headphones, so they got kind of roll in all mass. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Scotland was like that too. They've got like they've got travel gear as well as curling gear. Uh, me, it was jeans and black hoodie, is, as is my uniform outside of work. So uh, <laughs> you should have gone with Stu. You know, should have uh, gone with like in our Mazda three. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> So they didn't. They didn't have like a shuttle for you guys from like the hotel to the rink. Yeah, no, no they had a shuttle bus from the hotel to the rink. But okay, um, like, like most comp- countries now book Airbnb just because it's so much cheaper. So we actually okay. stayed in a, a caravan park, or as Americans call it, a trailer park. So we spent the week. Heck yeah! In two trailers. Uh, <laughs> that's the budget of English curling for you. That's uh, like that's like me going to Virginia Tech football games, man. That sounds awesome. That's the dream. It was awesome, actually. It worked out really well. And uh, the father of the two girls on our team, Mike Spain, he he cooked uh, dinner for us every night, which was a huge advantage because I think half the like half of these events, you just get into this very weird cycle of you know eat, go play your game, rest, maybe play a second game, but you're just basically either eating, sleeping, or curling. It's just it just kind of becomes this weird, and you just. Your schedule varies depending on your draw time, so you just end up in this very weird headspace. Like you don't know what day it is, don't know what time it is often, because uh, you're just like stuck in an arena with no natural light, and uh, you're just either eating, sleeping, or curling. So having someone take care of the eating decisions, because that's half the battle for a team, is trying to get four people happy about what they're going to eat in between games. So that kind of made things pretty simple there. So that was a big help. Were there any teams that showed up like? You know, Russell Westbrook style and kind of showed off their uh, showed off their fashion sense when they were arriving to the rink. Uh, the Swedish boys uh, had fashion sense. <laughs> Not my fashion sense, but they were <laughs> they, they showed up to the dance in like shorts, and I can't describe the patterns. Like this weird multicolored kaleidoscope shirt. <laughs> That were, and then they did a bunch of break dance moves in the middle of the floor, which is, if you've ever been to your average curling dance, uh, that's about five steps better than most curlers' uh, dance moves. So I have I have never been to a curling dance. I didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> it's, it's not. I've only seen I've only seen <laughs> Team Sugden on Instagram. That's my that's all that I have ever seen of curling dances. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're better curlers than dancers. Don't <laughs> 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 that. <laughs> All right. So what teams? Uh, so what teams impressed you at Worlds? I know you said you, you said you said you have a list of teams you want to talk about from Worlds. Uh, yeah. So let's start. Let's start with the finals. So, and actually, I'll start with the bronze medal finals. I think this shot 
did not get the press that it deserves out of the world mix. Um, the Norwegian skip basically had nothing <laughs> on its last shot. This for the bronze medal game, playing Korea. It's hard to visualize, but basically Korea had a stone locked in on the button, uh, frozen in between two Norwegian stones. So one back four, one top four. And the Norwegian skip played this 20-foot angle run back pick. So basically ra- ra- uh, raised in a Korean stone that was red, just to perfectly peel out another Korean stone that was red, and leave his two stones untouched, biting the button to score two and win the game. And if any of those other, if it had gone like any which way, any other way, it's Korea steal and win the game. So it's actually one of the greatest shots I've seen, especially under pressure. So shouts out to the Norwegian skip. That was a fantastic shot. Uh, and definitely got the loudest applause of the finals for sure. Um, and then at the banquet that night, he was walking around with his phone showing off the shot again and again to everyone. He was pretty popular at the closing banquet. So that was, that was cool to see. Is, does video of this exist anywhere on the interwebs? I've, I've, I've been kind of out of pocket, so I haven't, I have not been, I've, I've mostly been on hokey Twitter arguing about whether or not we should fire our head coach. Uh, I, I, I have not spent as much time this season on curling Twitter uh, as I did last season. I don't know. I, I mean, it was live streamed. So and, and that sheet was like a central sheet for live streaming. So I don't know if they recorded the live stream and you can play it back or if the, the live stream was just live and then lost to the, the internet ether afterwards. Um, they, they definitely At least had, he has video. He has video of it. He, well, I mean, I would save that too because you'll probably never make a better shot in your life. Right? It's just like, it's fantastic. Um so, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we put a call out. If someone has the video, tag us in a tweet and we'll, we'll share it because it's worth seeing. It's a fantastic shot. Um, the finals was really cool. I think um, Andy Kapp, uh, who was you know top German curler back in the 90s and got, got to the world finals a few times. I think he won a world championship. I'll have to double check that. But he was kind of like – he was always on TV, on TSN back in the 90s as kind of the German skip – and uh, he's probably early 50s now, so dialed back the clock a bit. And uh, the, Canada kind of had control first half of the game, and then Andy Cap made a, a series of really good shots in six, in five, six, and seven to to uh, bring it back. So Germany was leading one without Hammer coming home and uh, forced Canada to to play a really good end, which they did do. Uh, he 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 was t- attempting a pretty unlikely shot in his last. I think Canada kind of outcurled, outcurled Germany in the final. But he, Andy was playing with his son, who's 17 years old, uh, Benjamin Cap or Benny Cap as he's known. So that's a name to to watch out for. I'd say he's still he's still got four years of juniors left, and he's already won uh, a silver medal in an adult competition. So certainly something to watch for there. Uh, Canada was all a very young team. So it was the, the two guys in the team were JT Ryan's teammates the last few seasons. I think mm-hmm. they've aged out. I think they're both 22. The thirds kind of, I think they've all, I think they've all aged out. I think they're playing, I think they're playing together with, uh, JT on the men's circuit. Yeah. yeah. I'm not quite sure about that. I, yeah, I, th- I thought JT might have a year left, but, uh, hard, hard to say. Anyway, um, the third is kind of interesting because she's only 17. Uh, it's Megan Walter. So again, another name to watch out for. So she's 17. Um, 
and having all, she's already won a gold, world gold at an adult level. But she also kind of, I think this again didn't make much noise last year, but she, she was called in at the last second to, to sub at the Scardings in Manitoba and was throwing skip stones there and ended up getting to the three, four game. So finished fourth overall. And, oh, wow. and Anderson, Carrie Anderson actually had to beat her by scoring two in 10 in order to get to the semifinal game. So wasn't wasn't exactly a walkover for one of the best teams in the country. So again, Megan Walter, kind of a name to to watch out for. So she's got another three or four years of junior eligibility too, and uh, hasn't yet. So interestingly enough, hasn't yet made it out of Manitoba as a junior. I don't think, but uh, certainly has got a lot more chances at it. It's got the talent to do that for sure. It's also a tough province to get out of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you guys and Felix and I talked a lot about your team going into Worlds. Uh, you guys basically did exactly what Felix and I said you were going to do. You, you won the three games that we thought you were going to win. You lost the three games that we thought you were going to lose. Uh, and then the swing game against Finland, uh, you came up short. Uh, so you guys did not um, did not advance into the knockout round, but nothing to hang your head about. I think you guys did great. Um, but yeah, talk about your experiences playing and, and how the how the team did. Uh, I mean, it was amazing to play. Uh, it's... I haven't played much on championship ice. Uh, so this was like you know, WCF championship ice, same kind of ice people play it at the Olympics. Uh, exact same stones, competition stones they use in the Europeans and world is the same ones they use in the world mixed doubles last year. Um, so yeah, the stones are super reactive. You only have to hit an eighth of a stone with like decent hit weight and it's gone. Um, you know, doubles, as long as you hit, is it basically doubles are pretty easy. Like a lot of the combo shots are pretty easy if you hit in the right spot. Um, curls really well. Basically, you know, if you missed, it's because you did something wrong, which is actually quite refreshing. But uh, some of the likes I play on, <laughs> I'll throw a stone and I'll be like, I don't know what happened there. Like this week, the times I missed, I was like, ah, I, I was heavy or I was wide. Um, so it's, you kind of can know right away why you missed and it's not the stones, it's not the ice. Uh, so that was fantastic. And it, it basically, the first four ends of the first game, it, the way I likened it to Stu, uh, my skip, but he was throwing fourth bricks. I was likened it to him as like, you know, my car is a Ford Focus, just like a standard economy car. It's like, if you flip me the keys to like a Ferrari, and you know, and the first little bit you're driving a Ferrari, you're like it's like whoa, it's like really hard to handle. But once you get a feel for it, then it's it's like the best drive of your life, right? And it was a bit like that. Like it took me about four ends to get a sense for the feel, and then, you know, once I found what what it felt like to kick out for draw weight, it, I just knew you just got to the point where you just kicked out, and you just knew that was that was top rings, no problem. Uh, you, when you let go, you just knew where the stone was going. It was a hit, so that was fantastic feeling. I mean, all the games were great. Um, it would be cool to play the Swiss team because that's like silver medalists and you're playing teams that's been on TV loads of time. And uh, it was a fun battle. Like as Stu said, I think they beat us 7-1, but uh, you know, if, if more victories count for anything, we forced them to kind of make some tough shots. Like uh, first end, we buried one kind of behind a corner guard. Well, actually a corner top 12 and we were biting back four and there was a we forced to have a conversation and, and martin rios opted to just come around and tap it back it was a fantastic shot so you're like well he he got the shot for his two uh, he got it and there's another one we had something going and 
Jenny Paredes through. White kind of had a little bit of a jam situation set up, and Jenny Paredes threw at the perfect double you got to throw. So to watch like that caliber person on the same sheet as you execute good quality shots, that's that's kind of always fun, even if you're on the the receiving end. So like there we felt like okay, we're beaten not because we shot ourselves in the foot, but because they, there's a stronger team that that out executed us. I'd say. Um, you know, we played, who else? We, we, like Belgium's an emerging country. They've only had a rink for two years and their team had only been curling for two years. So that was a game that was, you know, fairly fairly easy for us, but, uh, you know, fun one to play against. Uh, the Russians... So they, was, so they do have curling ice in Belgium. Yep, they just built a rink two years ago. And so this was two couples who joined curling two years ago and are playing in a world championship. So... It's really cool. And they, were, they had a great chat with them after the game. And they invited us to their bond spiel in May, where Thursday, Thursday through Sunday and Friday night is when they sample Belgian beers. So that sounds That sounds like my kind of bond spiel, man. It sounds like that, that is a bond spiel where people drink. So that was fun. Um, yeah, Finland game was pretty good. That was kind of back and forth. Uh, our skip who was throwing thirds bricks, Fiona made like a fantastic hit and roll freeze with her shot in seven. Uh, and we, we kind of, we forced an appeal the first guard, didn't quite get up the, the guard the second time and left their skip a chance to throw a peel double, which he made. And that, that was basically the game. Uh, if he'd, if he'd missed that, so it was basically a five point swing on that one shot. Cause then they scored three because they had a bunch of other counters, but if they'd missed that and we'd still, we'd st- uh, stolen two, uh, we would have gone up. I think we would have went up or tied coming home. So that, that was kind of a big big swing there. So it was a game that we could have won. It just didn't quite go our way that day. And it's like you said, Korea, Russia, Switzerland, those are all full-time uh, paid curlers. Mm-hmm. So I, to pull off an upset against any of those would have been, been a tough ask. So, yeah, I think how you guys broke it down was pretty accurate. Uh, although the, even some of the other teams, like, like France, we had to play a really good uh, last-end to put them away, 5-4. And France, even though they kind of, I think they only got one win or two wins, they actually took the Swiss right down to last shot. So it was like there was a couple of times upsets were close stepping in our pool, but just uh, like the pro teams basically just edged it out in the end. And then you got to talk to, you said you wanted to talk about, you got to talk to some of the curlers from some of the more emerging nations. Yep. So uh, I got to hang out with Harold Woods, who's the he started the week as the second on the Nigerian team by the end he was skipping. So so just to talk to him. So uh, TJ Cole's kind of the driving force behind the Nigerian Curling Association, uh, and that, so in order to become an official member, you have to play in two WCF events in a certain time period. And so this was the second event. Nigeria ever played, and their third one's going to be the the Asia Pacifics. And Harold started curling in Denver. I guess has Nigerian descent and is getting citizenship, so he's kind of eligible for Nigeria through that. And then just moved to Atlanta and curls out of the Peachtree Club there. And the Coles are all based in Denver, so uh, it was interesting to talk to him. He basically said he was at the Denver curling club one day and TJ came up to him and said, do you want to play for Nigeria? Are you eligible? <laughs> it turned out he was. And so kind of, <laughs> there you go. You're playing for Nigeria then. So, you know, that was interesting. You asked on Twitter about, uh, Nigerian curling swag. I was able to do kit swap with him and got myself a broomzilla shirt. Oh, I'm uh, so, I am so jealous. How much do you want for it? 
No. Uh, (laughs) There's no swapping. Um, But TJ said they're going to put the the shirts on sale on the Nigerian Curling Association website as a fundraiser. So they're going to buy one there. (laughs) Yeah. Once it goes up, we can kind of hype that a bit. I think. Please take my money. Please take my money. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think. I think. I love their slogan: "Is uh, win or learn." So that's yeah. their, that's their mentality. That's, which I think it's a great attitude. Well, that's so that's that's better than the uh, the slogan that we had whenever we played in bond spiels together, which was "win or get kicked out." <laughs> it's a bit more positive, yeah. Uh, and then Peter Anderson, uh, I met. He's he's spearheading the Kosovo Curling Association, which is the newest association, and he's a Canadian from Ontario. It's moved for what I think's an NGO job in Kosovo. Uh, not quite sure exactly what area, but he kind of intimated his NGO position and uh, decided there was no curling there, so he'd start curling. And uh, he's recruited a couple of people to curl with him. And so the lead on their team, she got a 45-minute curling clinic at the Perth Ice, Perth Ice Rink, which is about an hour and a half from Aberdeen. And then that's it. You're playing in the World Championships. So, yeah. And uh, – yeah, I think so. It was kind of cool to see like another new emerging country that way too. So a lot of a lot of good growth, but also a lot of kind of elite like household TV names like the Andy Caps, and I guess Team Canada is not household names, but I think some of the people on that team will be. So just kind of watch that whole team, and uh, yeah, it was a, a pretty cool event. All right, so how would how would you sum up your experience? Are you like are you ready to get back on the ice and try to win the mixed again? Uh, this year, or do you, I mean, now that you've had that taste, is it like, you know, that the hit from the crack pipe and now you, you just, you're just dying to get more? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Um, well, I, I guess for me, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. So I'll, Stu kind of said, I think I've done this. I remember earlier because like, I've done this, the checklist box off and, uh, he kind of intimated he was done with competitive curling. But then I'm at the banquet, he said, you know what? This is so much fun. Maybe I want to go back. <laughs> so, uh, and then I was the opposite. This is amazing. I want to go back. And then at the banquet, some guy mistook me for the coach for the Norwegian team. <laughs> I was like, if I'm being taken, mistaken for the coach rather than the player, maybe that's a sign too, right? <laughs> <laughs> too many gray hairs. Although Andy Capp's a good eight, nine years older than me. So there are a few, there are a few 50 plus. So. Uh, it's kind of the good thing about curling. It's uh, tolerant of old people. <laughs> so <laughs> even at world well, now, championships. Now, apparently, according to uh, Felix, you're going to have to deal with uh, with Joe with Joe Sugden playing uh, in the mix this year. Yes, the mix this year will be tough. <laughs> we've got the juniors, uh, and then we've got uh, Lisa Farnell's put a team in. Uh, and there's a couple other strong teams too. So the, the mix this year is actually good. Like it's it's we're up from four entries to six, and uh, the quality is kind of going up too. So we'll try to defend the crown, but uh, if not, hopefully whoever we send will do well. We, we're actually pretty proud that we raised. There's like the world mix standings, so we actually moved us up. I think three spots. So uh, like I think we're back up to 22. We were down at 26. So that was. 22 or 23 can't remember but we finished 22nd i think our total ranking is 23 or third so we've moved ourselves up a little bit in the the world mixed standings which is good to see too so 
why don't you just grab some of those junior players that are cle- clearly better than you and uh, put them on your clearly team and just, let them, and just let them take you to glory? <laughs> for what? For the next? <laughs> or, or for men's either one? Well, you know, I'd maybe maybe at some point I'll uh, I'll take them on under my wing. Maybe not. I don't know. It's fun to beat them too. All right, and we've got we, right, <laughs> we have we have a couple minutes left. I will let you. You said you wanted some time to um, to debate against what uh, what everyone heard when the cat was away and the the mice got to play on the last podcast. You said you wanted to respond to. Uh, everything Felix and I said, so I'll I I, I will give you the floor. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'll give you my notes. My, my <laughs> I thought I thought it was a really good episode. I I don't know how much a podcast can grow by making fun of a club <laughs> club girl, but for one episode, at least I was amused. I'm not sure how many other people care about the the curling travails of Jonathan Havercroft. Um. Oh yeah, okay. The one thing <laughs> when Bob said John's great at giving feedback, and you said he just he never takes feedback from me. I think the the message there is I take feedback from people whose opinion I trust. Is what I would say. So I thought I thought it was actually good to hear Felix too. It was good. He did a good job. So potential fill-in host if uh, either of us are away in the future. So that was good to see. And yeah, yeah, I thought your breakdown was actually pretty accurate. Uh, it's, it's hard to break down your own event, uh, but I mean, I think everyone, you know, I'm sure it's the same in you know, any sport, right? Everyone kind of knows roughly where everyone sits in the pecking order, but whenever you go out to play, you try to do your best. And that was, that was basically our attitude all week. So, yeah. Right. Um, should, should the mixed event get more respect than it does? Uh, that, so that's interesting. Let's just wrap up with that. So there's a bit of a rumor going around that WCF wants to cut the seniors and the mix because they're not Olympic events and um, they're a little less serious, uh, which I think would be a shame. Again, I think that it, again, I think it's this Olympic effect where everything's got to be about the Olympics. But this is the only, you got to give people something to play for, man. You got to give something people to play for. Um, having 40 countries playing one event was amazing. Like you don't get that at the Worlds. Fine, you get a higher caliber of play and yeah, it's fine. But 40 countries, um, you had Olympians playing in this. You had, uh, you know, European champions playing in this. You had a lot of young players who I think will be playing for, you know, in world championships and Olympics. Uh, There's also going to be a path for some of the emerging countries to, to develop competitive experience, right? So there's a lot of countries there that may not yet be thought of as being super competitive, but kind of in the B pool have really been taking steps up. So like Turkey was there, made playoffs. Kazakhstan, uh, the women's side, especially their team's actually getting pretty strong and they're young and they've been training a lot. So it's another country that, you know, you might want to keep your eyes on in the next few years. Um, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot of value in having an event like this. And then also these new emerging countries like Brazil, right? Brazil, Brazil organized a Facebook group called uh, Aberdeen something, something party. So if you, if you want to party, <laughs> the Brazilians are organizing a party every night, but they're getting their first curling facility 
next year, right? And again, it's like, this is how you grow the game. And so this event's doing a lot of other things and you still have top, like the, the, the final was as entertaining a final to watch as any slam final you'll see this year. Uh, I'll say that. And the, the bronze final was spectacular. Like that, you, you may not see as good a shot as that to win a final at a slam all year. It was just, just a fantastic shot. So the quality of play is obviously a lot more varied. It's not going to attract as much TV ratings, but I think it's doing a lot of other good things. And so I hope that um, the WCF does not shut that event down. They actually kind of look at it as a way to really grow the game. So I think it is doing that job. Yeah, it's a couple of things. Like you said, the emerging countries get to play because they've shut down direct access for mixed doubles, which is even easier for developed country, developing countries to get into because you only need two players instead of four. Um, and it's an opportunity to get um, – it's an opportunity for development even for the established nations. Like you said, Canada sent a very young team. They got to play on WCF ice in a WCF event and get all that experience. Like why would you shut that down? Like that makes no sense to me. It's yeah, I, that would I would I would not agree if they chose to get rid of the the mixed or the seniors. You know, they, we're we're trying to grow this game, and that does the exact opposite, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Thank you for listening to Rocks Across the Pond, a curling podcast. You can find all of our previous episodes and blog posts at rocksacrossthepond.com. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast app, and leave a review. If you enjoyed listening, the greatest compliment we can receive is when you tell a friend about us. That helps us grow and helps us share our love of this great game. If you have a comment or question, or you just want to talk about curling, you can email us at rocksacrossthepond at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at curlingpodcast. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at rocksacrossthepond. Thank you again, and we will talk to you real soon.